We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You might have guessed I am not Kyle Matson. I'm Chris Biederman. Kyle is getting ready for his bachelor party, um, so he's running around running errands and all those fun things. Uh, on today's episode, we have the one, the only Matthew Barrows, the ace reporter who covers the 49ers for The Athletic. Uh, we're just going to jump in right away and talk 49ers, so let's go. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa has got him in a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. I'd rather talk about Kyle's bachelor party. So here's the thing. Are we not invited? And why is Kyle doing work for his own bachelor party? Isn't that the first rule of bachelor party is that you don't do any work? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, The issue here is Kyle's picking somebody up from the airport. Oh. Um, And I'm actually supposed to go. I'm a little bit under the weather. It's not COVID as far as I know. I've I've taken one COVID test already. I was negative. I'm going to take another one. So hopefully I'm going to be good to go for the bachelor party. We're treating this as a game time decision, Matt. But if I sound a little bit more nasally than usual. Yeah, that, you, that's, you do that's a, a little bit. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to catch it over the podcast. <laughs> you know, you you are at risk of being the jerk who gives COVID to the whole bachelor party. In the, in the right. Way. And if I wake up feeling at all uh, not well, then I will will not go. But um, we are not here to talk about the bachelor party. We'll talk about that next week if you want to tune in, Matt. And uh, okay, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll definitely. For that. Um, so 49ers just wrapped up a pretty successful season. They returned to the NFC Championship game for the second time in two years. Uh, this is obviously a very interesting offseason because of what's going to happen at quarterback. Um, so I guess I, I you know, I, I hate to lead off with like the most clickbait question ever, but is Trey Lance ready in your mind? Because Trey Lance's readiness has seemed to be a hot topic, even though we're recording this fe- February 17th, and his readiness really isn't going to matter for another, let's say, seven months. Did you not see those leaked um, videos on Twitter today? Oh, I, I, I mean, sure did. I sure that, did. that guy looks ready from the, <laughs> um, 
2.5 seconds of clips that I saw yeah. with some dazzling throws in there. Yeah. Some very uh, Patrick Mahomesian types of throws. Wow, that's a big name. We'll get everybody excited. Uh, considering that Trey Lance has followed the, the Patrick Mahomes model for, for getting ready for the season. Um, Patrick Mahomes, of course, only started one game uh, as a rookie in 2017. And then the next year he takes over for Alex Smith and throws and throws 50 touchdowns. So um, I don't think that we're going to have a 50 touchdown season from Trey Lance. And I think it'll be, I mean, it, it, it'll be grueling, you know, especially for some fans who expect him to be um, lights out from the beginning. I think people should have a, a realistic view of what's going to happen. He's going, he's going to, it's, it's going to be rocky. Uh, but uh, I think that, um, you know, making the playoffs, you know, being a better team at the end of the season versus the beginning of the season, making the playoffs and being the team that uh, nobody wants to face in the playoffs. That's realistic. I mean, that's, that's what happened in 2021. I can see a very similar scenario in, in 2022, um, given just who he is, uh, you expect him to make, you know, overall strides. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be bumpy. But I think the overall arc of the season will be up for him. And, you know, he's got a lot of help uh, there, um, you know, in, including, um, you know, a running game. I think it's going to be a more robust running game. I think that's sort of the attitude that this team is going to have. It's going to be a team that is going it, it, to it, – it'll be weird because they, they run this – mostly this, uh, this zone running attack, which is – has a reputation of being sort of a finesse attack. But uh, the way they run it, you know, with the fullback and with – uh, uh, Trent Williams, uh, you know, on one side and sometimes pulling out these days um, and, and with their wide receivers and with George Kittle, it's a zone running uh, attack that can throw punches. And, and that's what I think becomes even more so when Trey Lance, 230 pound Trey Lance is added to the mix. Yeah, and and I think that's that's ultimately the thing that gives the 49ers or or should create optimism surrounding the 49ers, right? It's like it's not like Trey Lance is is becoming the starter of a 6 and 11 team. He's joining a team that has gone to the NFC Championship game two out of the last 3 years and you can make a case that if they had better quarterback play in both of those seasons that they might have won a Super Bowl or two, right? So it's it's a unique situation, and we said it at the time of the draft when, when they traded all those picks to go up and get them, that this was a really advantageous situation no matter who they pick. So if you look at you know, Trey Lance's athleticism, the big arm, the fact he was so willing to push the ball downfield and create explosive plays in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo really wasn't and sort of struggled with throughout his time, to me – even if you do deal with uh, those those predictable roller coaster elements of of a 22 year old quarterback playing in the NFL, ultimately I think the ceiling of of the offense is going to be substantially higher. Um, and and so to to me, like there there's a very real possibility that you know I'm not saying Trey Lance is going to come out and be a Pro Bowler next year, but would it surprise you if the 49ers had a top eight offense next year? While you know, relying on Trey Lance to sort of play to the running game and then make some explosive plays off play action when they're available. Like I have enough trust in Kyle Shanahan as a play caller and offensive designer to where even with an inexperienced quarterback, one as talented as Lance, he can still churn out a top eight offense. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the 49ers would love to be 
the top five and the top three in rushing attempts, for example. Yeah. I want to say, I wish I had in front of me. I think they were 14 this year. Maybe it was higher uh, than that. Uh, they were either 14 this year or the year before that. But, um, you know, that, that would mean that uh, they're, you know, running the ball well, obviously, um, and uh, controlling the clock and that the defense is playing well also. So I, I think that's probably a, a goal of theirs. And, and, and I agree with you. I mean, look at what Jimmy Garoppolo didn't do well. Uh, which is, you know, throw the ball deep, throw the ball to the outside of the numbers, you know, basically push the ball downfield. And he also wasn't much of a runner. And, and Trey Lance can do all three of those things. You know, the, the big question is that Jimmy Garoppolo was really good at throwing the ball over the middle. I mean, um, he almost went to the, the Super Bowl again this year with him doing that to Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel and uh, a little bit to Juwan Jennings. Um, I, you know, I think that's, that's the question with Lance. I mean, that, that kind of jumped out to me, especially in the Cardinals game. It wasn't so much in the, uh, Texans game is that it took him a long time to deliver the ball. And, uh, the timing wasn't quite there. He was making plays, but they were mostly uh, broken type of plays. Can he play within the framework of the offense, which is what Jimmy Garoppolo really excelled at. And, and he probably doesn't get quite enough credit for uh, the ball's out on time most of the time, and uh, most of the time he's delivering very catchable balls over the middle. And that was the that was the meat of that passing attack uh, over the last four four and a half seasons for the 49ers. So uh, that's going to be the question with with Trey Lance. Can he kind of do? You know, he's, he's probably never going to be quite as strong as Garoppolo in that regard. But can he do enough of that plus the other things that he brings to the table? And if the answer is yes, then, um, you know, it's it's going to be an upgrade. Yeah, it, it's kind of like, you know, the 49ers sort of rolled a couple different sevens when it comes to the way the quarterback situation worked out in that, you know, they they were able to get a very productive season out of Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of how much they won, right? Like if you would have said after that four-game losing streak early in the season that they would end up in the NFC Championship game and Jimmy Garoppolo would be the quarterback of that team, you'd be like, wow, that's – that's really surprising. But where, to me, where the rubber meets the road on the, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing is really what you saw in the playoffs. And, and look, his completion percentage for his career is almost around 70%. And he was at 61% in the playoffs um, for his career. And he has four touchdown passes and six interceptions in the playoffs. And, you know, we don't need to go over what happened in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and the, and the NFC Championship game. So while I think you know, what Jimmy Garoppolo did this season is very commendable, particularly with the way his teammates rallied around him and the way he played through injuries and the fact, you know, they played winning football when they really needed him to uh, week 18 against the Rams to, to go down and, um, you know, tie the game and ultimately win the game in overtime, right? Like that to me was sort of Jimmy Garoppolo's signature moment. But then what you saw in the playoffs to me was the 49ers winning despite their quarterback play. It wasn't, they weren't getting um, enough from Jimmy Garoppolo, particularly in those late game situations, whether it was, you know, the turnover in Dallas uh, or the, the interception in the fourth quarter that nearly allowed the Cowboys to get back in that game. Um, the, the fact that they didn't score a touchdown in green Bay, the fact that, you know, the, the offense was really ineffective, just, by and large throughout the fourth quarter of the Rams game, to me, if you look at that's sort of the most scathing indictment of Jimmy Garoppolo, 
right, is the fact that he can get you there. But in those big moments, and I know it's a small sample size and you hate to to define a player based on those situations. But I think the fourth quarters in the NFC championship game against the Rams and in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs sort of speak for themselves and, and ultimately define why the 49ers made this decision. I, I agree with you. I'm going to start out by defending him a little bit, though. I okay. mean, um, when you're playing in the playoffs, you're playing better opponents. You're playing True. better defenses. And and uh, we saw the, the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game ended basically the same exact way on a fourth down pass with with Aaron Donald, you know, crashing through the line and, and uh, flinging the, the quarterback, uh, uh, not, not to the ground. Both quarterbacks, it was kind of weird. Both quarterbacks managed to escape. Donald, the you know, greatest defensive lineman in the league, and to kind of uh, uh, toss a pass away. And obviously, uh, neither really uh, got there. But, I mean, you're, you're playing really good teams there. And uh, Joe Burrow wasn't that much better, although I think his uh, completion percentage was better. Didn't throw any picks. Uh, but, it, you know, they, they were, they were, that's a very difficult defense, especially when you've got – uh, your left tackle hobbled with an ankle injury. You've got Daniel Brunskill playing right guard, and you've got Tom Compton playing right tackle. Uh, I True. ultimately that's a very good point, especially I, on Tom. But I, I I agree with you though that at some point, if you're going to expect to win Super Bowls, you have to have a quarterback that can overcome some of those those issues. The 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 quarterback that hits. You know, the Emmanuel Sanders uh, at, at the key moment. We saw Stafford do that. We saw Burrow do that. We saw uh, Josh Allen do that. We saw Patrick Mahomes do that in the playoff. That's That uh, really hasn't happened with, with Jimmy Garoppolo yet, although um, give him credit for that, that uh, ending drive against the Green Bay Packers. Um, so you're right. Um, he, he did I, – I thought he got small in the playoffs in 2019. He was, I thought he was better, but it's still – I don't know. Um, he, he didn't seize the moment yeah. uh, in, in either of those trips to the postseason. So I want to pivot a little bit because I know you're reporting a story about Mike McDaniel, the new Falcons coach. Um, and you may or may not have to leave the podcast to talk to a prominent source for that story. So hopefully, prominent. hopefully prominent. you won't. Um, but, I mean, the, the 49ers offensive staff, whether it's John Embry, whether it's um, you know, Mike McDaniel leaving it, there's, there's going to be a significant amount of turnover. And if we've learned anything from Kyle Shanahan's tenure to this point, it's that he's pretty good at finding coaches who, uh, who add value, um, and, and end up being good hires, right? He did it with D'Amico Ryans who ultimately, you know, what happens to D'Amico Ryans if they end up, if Ken Norton Jr. doesn't leave for the Seahawks back in, in 2017? You know, that's that's kind of an interesting sliding doors moment for the 49ers. But the point stands, like, you have Robert Sala, who's a head coach. You have D'Amico Ryans, who seems like he's going to be a head coach candidate again next year. Um, you lose Mike McDaniel to a head coaching job. He brings over Wes Welker um, and John Embry. So, you know, I know you've reported a little bit on this. What What do you think the 49ers coaching staff looks like this season and, and how difficult of a task is it for Kyle Shanahan to replace some of those guys, or is it going to be pretty simple because the 49ers are a relatively desirable spot. Um, if you are a head coach or a, a, an assistant coach who's unemployed looking to eventually, you know, move your way up the ladder. Yeah, that, that's what good teams do. I mean, that's what the Bill Walsh teams did. That's what uh, the Bill Belichick uh, uh, 
Patriots teams do. They're always, you know, hemorrhaging assistance. Uh, and they've continued to be good. You know, they had a, a quarterback that, that helped that. And, and, and the 49ers back in the day did too. Um, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you Rich Scangarello as, a, as an example. I forget how old Rich is, but he basically um, took a menial job with the Atlanta Falcons um, as a 40-something guy, late 40s, doing the sleep on the couch thing of a of a friends um just so that he could work with shanahan and and learn that offense uh and it worked out for him he's he's become the 49ers uh quarterbacks coach he was uh, denver's offensive coordinator for a season uh so he's his hand has been stamped but uh, my point is that you know the, the, these uh, sharp minds are, are bending over backward to be able to learn this office. Now, whether it's with, with Shanahan or McDaniel or LaFleur or uh, Robert Sala in, in New York, um, who knows? But, um, you know, um, Clay Kubiak, for example, uh, one of Gary Kubiak's sons is uh, an offensive assistant under Shanahan. You know, that's the kind of guy people want to kind of learn from him. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll be able to regenerate. I don't want to minimize Mike McDaniel's loss because I think it's significant, uh, especially in the running game. I mean, you, you've heard Kyle Juszczyk, one of the smartest guys on the team, rave about McDaniel. For he he went to Harvard, years. I think. Did you know that? Kyle Juszczyk went to Harvard? Juszczyk, no. His grammar is, is sometimes <laughs> off. I, I don't think so. Um, but the point being, I mean, Juszczyk, Joe Staley, um, you know, uh, Trent Williams, any sharp veteran guy who's been through the 49ers just really appreciates uh, the creativity, the complexity uh, of this running attack. And that's what made this team special the last few years. So it's going to be something um, that they're going to have to deal with. I, you know, from what I've been able to figure out, they're promoting from within for certainly uh, a lot of those offensive positions. I don't know what they're going to do with, at special teams. Uh, but it looks like um, uh, uh, Brian Flurry, who I only know as the really tall guy at practice, um, <laughs> tall skinny guy is going to take over tight ends. And uh, Leonard Hankerson could end up being the, uh, the wide receivers coach. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So back to Jimmy Garoppolo and, and obviously one of the biggest decisions the 49ers or one of the biggest moves they'll have this offseason is is trading him away, presumably. Um, and there's debate about what he's worth. I know some people have mentioned that they think the 49ers can get a first round pick for him. There's been reporting, I think, out of your shop, The Athletic um, in Washington, D.C., saying the, the number 11 overall pick might be in play. I kind of have a hard time uh, believing that, but I would think John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan would do backflips if they got the 11th pick out of Washington <laughs> from, from for Garoppolo. Um, to me, I'm, I'm in the, I'm of the mind that, you know, maybe it's a, it, it's a conditional pick. It's, it starts as a second that maybe moves into a first if he makes a pro bowl and plays 15 games or something like that. I think more realistically, it's going to be a second and a third, or maybe a couple thirds and other things. Um, do you do you have any idea, or, or based on you know what you've heard, what you think the market for Garoppolo is going to look like, and also how, how much does you know Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson's potential availability impact the Garoppolo market? Well, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's why I think nothing's happened at this point. Everybody's kind of waiting to see what the, what the landscape looks like. They got to have um, cocktails at the combine before any, before anything. Really oh yeah. Right. Happening. Yeah. All those, uh, all those deals get, get done at St. Elmo's in, in Indianapolis, but I, I'm with you on the second, third. Um, I mean, 11 overall pick for Jimmy Garoppolo that I, I would be just stunned. And, and, and maybe, I mean, it's definitely a seller's market, you know, six teams that could use a starting quarterback. Uh, and it's not a great draft for um, starting quarterback. So, um, you know, th- that could kind of up things. I mean, I look at it through the lens of, you know, uh, look at the two Alex Smith trades over the years. The, the 49ers traded Smith, uh, and I wrote this down. He was 29 at the time in, um, in, in 2013. It was at the end of the 2012 season. Remember, this is when Kaepernick's taken over. Et cetera, et cetera. And, and I should mention Garoppolo is 30 right now. Uh, Smith is 29, was 29 at this point, And the 49ers traded him for, for two twos. And I think that Smith is the better prospect at that point. Um, yeah, better arm, uh, more mobile, wasn't, in, wasn't as injury prone. Turn the ball over less. Turn the ball over way less, yeah. way less than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, it's a little bit taller, like I said, a little bit bigger arm through downfield, you know, you know, was, was careful with the ball. I guess you could say that's a critique. Um, so they got two twos for him at that point. Uh, four years later or, th- or five years later, it was the 2000, 2018. Um, Smith is now 33 and he gets traded to Washington for a third and a player. Um, so, I mean, I think it's it's somewhere between those two. Um, so second and a third sounds right. Third and a little bit more sounds, sounds right. I think in a normal year, it would be like a third and, and a bit more for Garoppolo. 
mm-hmm. a guy who gets injured a lot, doesn't have a great arm, is 30, um, not known as, you know, the, the, the greatest leader, locker room leader in the world. Uh, I shouldn't say that as a critique. Everybody loves him. Um, and he's, um, he's got experience. He's battle tested. But you know what he is. You know what he's going to bring you. Um, and I think that he needs to go, if you, if you expect to go to a Super Bowl with him, you have to have a really good team around him. Like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, um, those, those would, be, would be the two. Um, I don't know whether the 49ers would be eager to trade him to Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously, it would depend on what they, what they offer. But that's, that's kind of how I see it. Now, again, supply and demand is, is going to be a big driver of this. And we just don't know what the supply is at this point. So zooming out a little bit just on the roster uh, overall, I know you're a big draft guy. And you watch a lot love, of tape and you, yeah. you dive into to the prospects. Um, to me, I sort of look at this draft like the 49ers just need good players. And that's a big cop out. Um, but I think you could look at just about everywhere on the roster and you could say, yeah, they could use a guy there. Right. And with all the you know third round picks are accumulating through the NFL's new diversity um, hiring rules, they, they could potentially be in a pretty good spot over these next few years with all the third round picks they're going to get. Um, I look at, you know, Kyle Shanahan is probably going to want another receiver given that, you know, whenever Brandon Ayuk comes up for a contract, it's going to be awfully difficult to pay Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, presuming Debo Samuel gets a new deal this off season. Um, pass rushers, always one of those, one of those potential needs. And, you know, it's similar with the idea that you play, you know, you pay Nick Bosa $30 million a year, which he could get this offseason, then you would would love to have a book in on the other side on a rookie contract. Cornerback is obviously an issue. Offensive guard center is certainly an issue. Um, returner, maybe that that receiver you get is somebody who also helps you out in the return game. Um, for you, what areas do you ha- have you sort of circled as significant needs for the 49ers this offseason, either in the draft or free agency? Um, I think that, yeah, I agree with your general premise that, you know, uh, you, you want to get good players and you can find a spot for them. And I think you want to marry needs with where the, the draft is the deepest and it's, it's the deepest along the defensive line. And I think there are a lot of really, really good edge rushers, um, in, in the first round and the second round and the third round, uh, you, you need to get one of those guys. I think if you're the 49ers. Uh, because, um, you know, D Ford's not, he's probably not going to play again for this team. And if he is, you're just never sure how many games you're going to get out of him. Right. And I think the other guys there, um, Ebucom and Amenahue, who are both signed for the 2022 season, are fine. They're really good. Uh, but they're what you want on that, what they call their their Bravo line, that, that second line. What you want is, you, what you want is D Ford. <laughs> Uh, when he was with the Chiefs, basically, um, you know, a, a guy who, one of the best defensive players in the league. When the yeah, exactly. Somebody who just who just uh, flies across the line of scrimmage, just very quick off the snap. He would open up everything for. He would he would make your Javon Kinlaw pick look better. Would would make Eric Armstead look better. Would make Nick Bosa look better. And there's there's some guys like that. I, I was watching, not to say what a great draft. Uh, uh, watcher I am, but I was watching this guy from USC, um, 
last name is Jackson. Okay. Uh, that's all I got for you. But I mean, I, I just watched a couple and both the guys that I watched, uh, a guy from South Carolina and a guy from USC, both really good and probably better than anything uh, outside of Bosa that they've got on the edge right now. So I think that would be one area you look at. The other, I, I think you start to look at, at, at center. And I know that yeah. um, Shanahan loves these veteran centers and doesn't want to, and I think this is a, a Shanahan theme, by the way, that rookies uh, uh, don't don't always do well under uh, a <laughs> Shanahan-led team. And I think that center would be a hard one uh, to, to get snaps early on. But presuming that Alex Max com- comes back for one, at least one more season, it'd be a great opportunity for a, um, you know, an athletic latter day Alex Mack to learn from the master when it comes to this offense and, uh, po- and potentially be good enough to provide an upgrade at guard in the meantime. Yeah. Well, that would be, that would be ideal. I mean, that's where you, you might use your second round pick as on a, on a, on an interior lineman who plays guard. Maybe he even just is the backup guard uh, at one of those spots in, uh, in 2022, but in 2023, he's, he's somebody who can come in, and uh, basically run that offensive line from the center position. So th- those are the two that, that jump out the most to me. Um, I, I, I agree with you with, with wide receiver. I mean, they only have, I think it's only Samuel and Ayuk who are, who are literally signed for next season at this moment. Juwan Jennings is uh, an exclusive rights free agent, so he won't be difficult to bring back. But that's still three of six spots. Um, so you need, to, you need to fill up uh, three more of them and, and uh, getting – uh, I think a, a Travis Benjamin, who's a decade younger than Travis Benjamin, might be the, right. the best bet there. Somebody who can maybe do punts, uh, somebody who can stretch the field, take advantage of uh, Trey Lance's arm, uh, because, um, yeah, you, you can't have enough speed when you've got somebody who can hit all corners of the field. So I'll get you out on this. I, I have questions about three important free agents. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson. DJ Jones and K1 Williams. Um, just what's your, your real quick assessment of those three guys and the likelihood that they're back with the 49ers in 2022? Yeah, I would go Tomlinson, uh, Williams, Jones, and in, in likelihood of coming back. With, with Tomlinson, the big caveat being um, it doesn't look like uh, Washington is going to bring back Brandon Sheriff, um, who you know is probably the best guard in, in the game right now. Um, they've been playing the, the franchise tag with him for so long and he probably wants out of there too. So, um, you know, you know who the Washington's, uh, general manager is it's Martin Mayhew who drafted Tomlinson with, uh, the lions, uh, I think it was 2015. That's great. Then, That's great knowledge on your part. I should have, yes. I should have known that. Well done, Matt. Well, yeah, <laughs> I've been thinking about it. I mean, that, that would be the team that would, would come after Tomlinson. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a GM who's very familiar with him and who brought him to to the, the 49ers back in t- 2017. So um, with um, with DJ Jones, I think the issue is that you're paying Eric Armstead a lot of money. You've invested a lot of capital in Javon Kinlaw. You're about to pay uh, Nick Bosa a mint. Uh, so I just don't know whether they've got enough room to you know, pay starter money to um, a guy who might not be a starter in their eyes only because they really want Javon Kinlaw to succeed. 
and, and Kinlaw would be the, the starter. You know, this is assuming that Eric Armstead kind of continues his sec- second half of the 2021 season and plays mostly inside in 2022, which is what I think they should do because he was yeah, so much yeah. better and, and the, uh, the unit seemed to work better once that happened. But I'm not sure that's, that's in the cards. Um, we'll have to find out. But essentially, if, if Jones is being paid starter money as a defensive tackle, it's pretty similar to what um, Tomlinson might, might get. Tomlinson might get a little bit more. But um, yeah, my point is that it's a big chunk of change. And I think that you need to pay Tomlinson that money more than you need to play, pay DJ Jones. All right. That's Matt Barrows of The Athletic. One of the best in the business. One of the best guys I know. Um, a mentor. A pal. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on. You're shaking your head. See, I, I try to, I try to like, you know, make this nice, a nice, well, I didn't get invited to the bachelor party. So I don't know. I don't know how close we are. That's, that wasn't my call. It's not my bachelor party. Well, you could have put in a good word for me. (laughs) I I certainly could have. Um, (laughs) well, well, hopefully we can get you back to Cooperage for, uh, for another event. Um, after you graced us with your yeah, only if you fly me in this time. I had no idea uh, Santa Rosa was that far away. I mean, I would have, I would have, I could have gotten to L.A. faster than I got to Santa Rosa. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, and I mean that literally, particularly in Petaluma. Um, yeah, I mean, if you flew to L.A., certainly. But no, I, I could have driven. It took me almost five hours to get there. What you could have done? No way. Yes. Is that true? It was, it was horrible. Oh, well, thank you. Thank horrible. you. Thank you even more so for, for making that trick. Uh, Matt Barrows, check him out at The Athletic. He's going to write a dynamite feature on Mike McDaniel, I'm sure. Um, and it sounds like there's going to be some excellent sourcing in this story. So everybody keep a lookout for that. Matt, thanks for doing this, bud. Anytime, Chris. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.